It's always funny to me. I I find this trope of Jesus never said X as like people think it's like a way to to trip you up or stump you got or you stop now. the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I got you now. It, it doesn't work. No, it does not work, friends. <laughs> Jesus never talked about student loans, and yet I'm pretty sure Joe Scarborough is all about student loan transfer. So, I mean, do we turn that logic around and just say like, well, I guess anything Jesus didn't talk about, Jesus never talked about racist highways, you know, that the Department of Transportation is now dealing with. So I guess we can't deal with racist highways. Did Jesus even talk about racism? Hi, welcome to Wild and Beautiful. We're Joanna Hyatt and Lauren Enriquez, your co-hosts who every week are helping you live out your faith in a way that's biblically rooted, but culturally relevant. So last week you had a dog get Mm -hmm. skunked. This week I had a child who for his birthday didn't want a party or a trip because usually we'll like go to the beach for a weekend or they can have a party. He wanted a rabbit originally. And then we went to Petco and we chatted with them and we were advised like rabbits are not the best kid pet. They They just, they're not as like, um, it depends on the rabbit. It sounds like, but they're not as, there's not like much you can, like you can hold them. That's it. But other than that, there's not much to do with them. So they said, we advise guinea pigs. They're like low maintenance. You can, they'll run around. You can kind of like, I don't know, just interact with them a little more, I guess, than with a rabbit. So, so you got a we got two guinea pigs today. <laughs> we got two. We were also advised, we didn't end up buying them at Petco. We just went and absorbed right. all the knowledge at Petco and then went to like the animal like adoption good, place down good. the street. Yeah. But we got a pair. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you better hope that you, to get did you get a boy them. and a girl so that you can, I like, is this like a new business? No. You're going to now have <laughs> guinea pig babies for sale? We got a same-sex couple, uh, Marshmallow and S'more, uh, and we picked, they had three three bonded pairs. Oh, this is cute. what they call them. Yeah, it was cute. And and I they, I said, okay, what are the options? And they're like, we have this really, really young one that's super feisty. And then we have this one that's also young. And then we have these two old men. And I was like, we will take the old men. Super feisty <laughs> to me reads problematic. Yeah. yeah slash is going to bite your child Just maybe not, you know. Yeah, like maybe if you have teenagers, yeah, get a feisty guinea pig. But I have like my youngest is three, so no. we don't need a feisty guinea pig. We have feisty humans. I guess you're going to find out in like three or four um, months if you actually did get two male guinea pigs or not. And you'll have a great biology <laughs> yeah, lesson for your kids. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because our friend Joanna t- or Allison told me and Joanna that uh, guinea pig gestation is really yeah. short. So you can, I mean, she thought it was seven days. Pigs, so apparently. we did have to Google and correct that. <laughs> uh, but I get it when, she- well, you thought skunks could be smelled from a thousand miles away too. So apparently our animal facts Listen, are just we're really good when it comes show. to, um, <laughs> babies in the womb. We got all those facts down. Yes. Animals, all of it. Nobody cares. All of it. Not here. That's not nobody a priority. Cares. It's not my concern. <laughs> right. But so apparently it does take a little more than seven days for a guinea pig to reproduce, but not that much more. It's like, it's like two months, which is, that is just crazy crazy. to me. So if you, if you need like a side hustle, (laughs) apparently like breeding guinea pigs is the way to go. Uh, (laughs) That seems like a really odd side hustle. I mean, listen, bunnies, don't bunnies reproduce really rapidly? So. Yes. And in Peru, breeding guinea pigs is actually a really good side hustle in Peru because- Oh, they eat them. Okay. 
So it's a food source. So when I told Jose we were adopting guinea pigs, he was like, you're buying what? Because this is going to serve it for dinner. A delicacy in Peru. (laughs) I told him, I joked with him, when I leave these alone with you at home, do not cook them. Guinea pigs are a delicacy (laughs) in Peru. What do they taste like? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm assuming they taste like chicken. I've actually never had them. It's not one of the Peruvian things I've tried. I don't think it's something they eat in his region. I could be wrong. I think they call them cooey, okay. cooies, cooey. I don't know. In I could don't be, tell your kids. Could be wrong, They're but be yeah, so horrified. <laughs> yeah, the way I learned that is when we were dating. Jose had this T-shirt from Peru that had a picture of a guinea pig on it, and we were like, "Oh, that's my family." You know, before we got married and everything. That's a cute shirt, and he's like, "Yeah, these are cooies. We eat them." <laughs> and we were like, "What?" And he was completely deadpan like he was serious we thought he was joking and we were like no those are guinea pigs like they're pets nope we eat them and they're delicious i think they skewer them we eat them and they're delicious so okay (laughs) he was really proud of it jose is very proud of everything as he should be which is adorable yeah i mean the food is amazing we could do a whole show on well we just kicked it off south american and spanish food pig Roasting. Yeah. We can have a whole episode on skewers. that. Skewers. pig skewers. Unreal. There you well, go. Well, congrats on the pet. The closest we've had to a so, rodent. Is thanks. it a rodent family? We had a rat. Thanks. So. We had a rat. I have an irrational fear of rats. I just don't know like why you keep that as a pet when that is the villain in pretty much every movie. Or it's what you feed to or the villain. Or you feed it to the so, villain. Like, you feed snakes, rats. I mean, yeah. Lady and the Tramp. Who's the bad guy? Yeah. The rat. Right? Charlotte's Web. Who's the bad guy? There you go. The rat. The one time the rat got mm-hmm. redeemed was in Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Oh, and exactly. uh, I guess there were mice mm-hmm. in Cinderella. But yeah, we had a rat for a couple of years and it was basically my husband's pet. It was supposed to be the kid's pet. And they liked to play that it was real heartbreaking for them when Gus Gus passed away, but it was not. It was not. <laughs> He's gone and we are not. Did you pet it? Like, did you um, hold it? No. Or? My husband would hold it, but when he went out yeah. of town for really? four months and I had to feed it and like clean its cage and put it back in, I put on ski mm-hmm. gloves. And and I just kind of grabbed it and threw it into the cage because it it wasn't mm-hmm. cooperating with all the snacks that I had put to try to lead it back in. So no, no, it's yeah. the tail, it's the it's the claws, it's the whole thing. So I'm glad to know guinea pigs uh-huh. are better. And worst case, if you don't like them, you eat them. There, there you go. go. Problem, Problem solved. solved. We'll just not mention to the kids that's what's in the stir fry <laughs> that night. Perfect. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> It's actually oh perfect because I think your son's birthday lands on the same day that I was going to mention. Uh, September 17th, this last Saturday, mm-hmm. was Constitution Day, which is celebrating oh, the yay. signing of the U.S. Constitution by the 39 This is totally a Joe to- topic. Just, it's exciting, friends. Just, I'm just going <laughs> to mute myself. Joe, Literally just go yourself, do your friends. thing okay. on the Constitution. <laughs> Here's why this matters, right? I mean, we just had an episode saying how you can't uh, not just preserve, but you can't perpetuate something that you don't really know about. So as Christians, we perpetuate our faith by teaching our children not only about the Word of God, but the tradition of faith uh, in which we stand in terms of, hey, guess what? You are part of a story that has been going for thousands of years, and, and here's the rich history that you get to learn from. So that they can carry it on to the next generation. And we tell our children about the wonderful things that God has done in our own lives um, as part of that perpetuation so that the the faith tradition continues to grow. Well, same for the United States of America and, and our 
our liberties, our freedom. You know, I was referencing the speech from Lincoln, the perpetuation of political institutions and how really you can't perpetuate this idea of what is America if you do not understand what America started out at and not not so much as history, history matters, but what were we intended to be? And so Constitution Day is a great chance to pull out the Constitution because, you know, we try on July 4th and that thing is a little bit long. So I'm just going to go ahead and read you the preamble to the Constitution because it's beautiful. Y'all ready? Do it. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. If I could do like a little cheering soundtrack right now, that would happen. Mm -hmm. Y'all, you wonder what America's supposed to be? This is it. Right here. Lays it out. A mm-hmm. more perfect union. It doesn't mean a, a non-diverse union. It didn't mean a union that pretended it didn't have flaws. Uh, but remember, mm-hmm. they understood even in this moment, it needs to be better, even better than what mm-hmm. it is today as we write this constitution. Yeah. Right? E- establishing justice. Yeah, and they yep. knew that because slavery was still legal and there were people, signers, who were like, this is the first step. We're going to get and there. <laughs> I, I mean, I was thinking too about the idea of The American dream, part of what makes it so amazing is that it's a dream and that it's something that you are going towards. Because if we've already realized something in the past, then we don't go back to that dream. It's, It's dreams that draw us to become better versions of ourselves. And the American dream, a more perfect union, a place where justice is established, where you have domestic tranquility, where you, all of these things is what has for 235 years driven the people of this country imperfectly at times, but going towards this future, promoting the general welfare and securing the blessings of liberty, not only to ourselves, but to our posterity. And that is something important to remember because we have become a people that it's very much just about ourselves. Like what is good for us Mm -hmm. right now? And I think so much of what is happening, you know, these flare off uh, kind of crazy moments I don't know that people are really thinking, how does this fit into the bigger storyline for our children down the road? What are we doing uh, to set up the next generation to do better? I think most would be pessimistic that the next generation is going to have it, going to have it better than we have had it. That's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it that we live in a generation for the first time that is choosing not to have kids because they simply don't want to. That's the reason that Mm -hmm. most people give if they've decided not to have kids. And that affects so much of how we live as a society. Um, If we're not living in a way that we're planning to hand on are the fruits of what we are doing to the next generation. Gosh, that is, that's a really good perspective to think about how different that was for the signers when it was having an average of 42 children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 10 of them would die in childbirth and et cetera, but yeah, just handing on the posterity to our kids. And for those who need like a dramatized representation of history in order for it to click, um, the movie 1776, I guess, play movie was it a, a was play originally that it was turned which into one a movie? Are you talking about the John yeah. Adams TV series? That one's no, really good. No, the movie 1776. It's like oh, a musical. Great. 
I don't even like musicals, but this one's really good. Really good. Just like humanized this, the signers and it showed their conflicts and how they weren't even all the same faith and they didn't have, they didn't all agree on slavery and slavery was a really contentious issue for them. Um, and how compromise, like how they recognized coming from England and having um, lived in the colonies as they were trying to figure out how do we coexist mm-hmm. in a way that's peaceful and just, um, what they had learned up to that point that it, the importance of checks and balances and just, I don't know, it was really cool to see them like almost get in fist fights in the movie. And I, I think that was true to life. Yes. I think that was true to what happened that these people really duked it out and figured out a way to govern themselves, knowing that they were going to have really, really serious disagreements. And it's interesting to me that despite the fact that so many of them were not, um, maybe they were believers, some of them weren't, but they weren't, not, a lot of them were not avid practicing Christians. And yet the most sourced or cited text in the constitution, I believe is the Bible. So there was, they understood there was some wisdom here that they were bringing into the way they were going to govern themselves. And I just think there's so much that we can learn today in our current political climate from looking at these people who were so divided and so polarized the way we are, and yet they still recognized it's worth finding a way to coexist. Well, it probably helped that they did have, most of them at least, had the common uh, language of the Bible. Right. We don't even have a common mm-hmm. language hardly anymore with people who may oppose us politically because our, our values are not even rooted in the same things. Like, you know, there's right. one group that says there are absolute values that over time it does not change what is right and what is wrong and that there is a standard and that that standard can be known both by law and nature and also, you know, within ourselves because God has written that standard on our hearts. And then you have the other side that says your truth is truth. It's everyone's own truth. And you're like, well, that right mm-hmm. there contradicts itself. Um and this idea that it can be changing and and that things are uh, constantly being rediscovered as to what is right and what is wrong. And those two ideas, they are exact opposites and they come in to clash all the time. We see it right now in the marketplace of ideas, in the culture, in economics. and Anywhere you look where there's conflict, mm-hmm. it's because it's two uh, views of about the world and the way the world works in humanity yeah. that are colliding. And our founders... Even if you had people that they weren't avid, you know, Christ followers, the word of God was the standard for them and their mm-hmm. morality and their virtue and their and their values, which is how they understood liberty to actually be carried on because you rooted it in scripture. Yeah. And, you know, it's relevant. We had a reader push back at us. Why do I keep calling them a reader? Because I read their comments. They emailed. That's why. Which, by the way, if you have, uh, they were a listener. If you have uh, a comment or a critique, please email us at wildandbeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. We had a listener pushback and it was a male. Mm-hmm. So yay to a guy listening. Good job. Good job. And his pushback, um, he Welcome. had listened to the episode on student loan forgiveness. And he said, well, you know, on the one hand, you're knocking student loan forgiveness, which by the way, it's transfer of loans. We're just going to keep saying that. And yet you applauded student lunches. So wouldn't you say that Mm -hmm. some socialist policies are good? And then he went on to say, when we're talking Mm -hmm. about funding, consider how much money from our taxes goes to fund the military. He said something like 24%. I haven't fact checked it, but you know, we can, we can go find that. 
It's a lot. It is a I think lot. it's the biggest um, thing in our budget. And and just to, for context, if people didn't hear oh, that yes. episode, we we praised student lunches not in the sense that we think the government should be in charge of feeding everybody. We praised student luncheons in the context of there are kids who only get good meals from school. Uh, safety net programs have a place in society. And what the Biden administration is threatening to do, I think this was yes. the context of our conversation about lunches, is that if schools do not start teaching um, lies about gender, the federal government is going to withdraw nutrition funding from these schools as a punishment. So they're going to punish hungry, underprivileged kids on ideological grounds. So that that was the context of us supporting student lunches. And we can quibble about like, okay, how much money is being spent on an airplane? $2 billion for a fighter jet? Well, maybe we should rediscuss that. Um, I don't know. Got to sit down and have some transparency with with the military. But right here in our constitution, we see that it says that part of the formation of this union is to provide for the common defense. That means we actually Mm -hmm. are meant to be putting our money towards the military, whether it is state or or federal military. We are meant to be promoting the general welfare, which in times is going to mean helping children who are not getting a meal. Now, the reason the government is having to step in is because, guess what? Local communities are not doing it. Churches, uh, in a big way, churches have failed. And where churches stepped out of serving the communities, the government has stepped in. And so it's not saying, oh, socialist policies are good. First of all, socialism, the idea— is contrary to to Christianity and and the value that is placed on humanity and the individual. So even if you have something that is Mm -hmm. kind in the moment, the government happens to be doing it, that doesn't mean all of socialism is good. It means we, the church, actually failed to do what we should have been doing. Yeah. The the church makes this distinction. The Catholic church, they talk about social policy, and then they— they, there's a distinction between that and socialism, which is a, a worldview that is at odds in every way with Christianity. And we talked a few weeks ago about something that is in the catechism called the um, the principle of subsidiarity, where the, what the church supports is for those who are in need— there is a, a social mandate that we do help them, but that should start as close to the individual as possible. And from there, it should go out. So first you go to your family and your friends, your neighbors, if you need help. If they can't help you, then you go to your maybe your church, your local community organizations in your town. If they can't help you, the city, then the state. And as a last resort, the federal government, which ideally is providing for the things that are a federal issue, like defense of our borders and things like that. Um, so a lot of people will try to conflate the social policy, which we are mandated as Christians, as believers, to clothe the, the naked and feed the poor and visit the imprisoned and all these works of mercy, um, they'll try to conflate that with socialism, which I, I don't know the ba- I don't know the person who left feedback at all, but I, I think for some Christians, that's where things get blurred is that um, social policy, social helping those around us, social and socialism are two, two different things. And I think that's a great distinction that you're making too, because feeding hungry children in our community, whether it's the church or the state that does it, is a social policy. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. Transferring the debt of somebody who willingly chose to take on that debt yeah. is not helping. The, it's not a charity. It's not a kindness. 
because one, it it removes responsibility from an individual who should bear that responsibility. Somebody who is 18, 25, 35, it, they have the responsibility mm-hmm. of paying their debts. A six-year-old does not bear the responsibility of feeding themselves. That is their parents and the yeah. community around them. Second of all, mm-hmm. uh, when you when you transfer the debt, um, you don't actually deal with the root issues that are driving that problem. And so kids are getting degrees that aren't serving them well economically. Uh, so there's no there's no reason, no motivation to get a degree that, or to pursue a trade where you can actually get a job. We also know a lot of that debt transfer was for people with secondary degrees. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can all cite somebody who has not yet wanted to enter the workforce because they're just going to go from degree to degree to degree. And some people are pursuing very good degrees, but you choose to do that. That, again, is your choice. And so mm-hmm. transferring the debt, again, looking back at the Constitution, um, it does not ensure domestic tranquility. Now you're now you're pitting people against one another, right? People are angry that they, are, they were financially responsible or they've worked really hard to pay off debt or they for for went going to college and they're not having to pay for somebody else because it's it's an additional financial burden on the country. Neither is it securing the blessings of liberty for our posterity because it is put, putting more right. debt. And we don't understand that concept of debt very much in, in the United States because we just keep punting it down the road. Like, we hear this is going to be a problem. It will be a problem at some fo- point. It, it's the exact problem of not thinking about the fact that we have yeah, posterity. Exactly. Some of us are actually having children that are going to be saddled with these enormous crises that we are creating for them. I mean, at some point, it's not <laughs> and, sustainable. When we're seeing it with inflation right. and people are like, it's not that bad. You're like, it's not that bad. Have you been to the grocery store lately? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad, guys. It's really bad. Uh, I just listened to a report about mortgages. Just depressing. If you're a first-time home buyer, think I, I'm grateful we bought a house when we did because it people are getting priced out of the market. Who would have been able to buy a house last year? It's really sad. But just an, a final word on the student loan transfer thing. I mean, it wasn't some principled like interpretation of Christianity that prompted President Biden and his administration to make that announcement. The reality is that we have midterm elections coming up in November. We're a couple, we're literally a few yeah. weeks out from uh, a, a determination of whether Biden's party or his opposing party will take power at a federal level. And that was the entirety of the calculation for the administration. I'm not knocking politically motivated decisions. It's a fact of life um, in this country that each party is going to do things that are going to drum up their base and try to like increase voter turnout. But that's what this was. And so these kind of like revisionist history things that we're already seeing where people are interpreting this as um, Biden and Pelosi and their friends just having more uh, straight morals. It, that's just not the reality of what is going on here. This was a, a calculated political decision that was made when it was, how it was, with the goal of voter turnout in favor of Biden and his If party. you want to hear more about our thoughts and, and also the response to some of the Christian lines about, oh, this is forgiveness, just like Jesus forgave, go listen to last week's episode. Um, and mm-hmm. go read the Constitution, friends. Be encouraged, be excited, make it a (laughs) round off, have your kids do it. It'll be great. Uh, Rolling into our next thing, we haven't talked about abortion for like a hot second on this podcast, Mm. which means probably like 17 minutes. And so we wanted to do a roundup, right, of headlines because there's been a few headlines in the last week or two. And one, it's to help you, the listener, 
just, again, know what's happening, but also know how to respond because while the headline may be different, Mm -hmm. the underlying themes and issues at play are usually the same. And so the more you learn, the more confident you are the next time it comes up. So let's take the first one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Mm -hmm. Minnesota Gubernatorial. Oh my gosh. That's a big word. (laughs) Gubernatorial. I know. It doesn't make any sense because there's a V in governor, but then they put a B in gubernatorial. I don't understand. So he, why don't you you tell that one since your work did a great parody on it as well. (laughs) I think his name is Scott Jensen. I'm not looking at the headline, but this guy is running as the GOP candidate in Minnesota. And from what I understand, he has in the past expressed pro-life beliefs, but as so many politicians are doing right now, and and this is not a good political strategy. It is not aligned with polling that people, the American sentiment toward abortion, but they're deciding that saying that reversing Roe v. Wade was extreme um, and introducing abortion bans that will only ban a small percentage of abortions. GOP candidates in certain states have decided that it's a good strategy to... Um, distance themselves from this. So what this guy, Scott Jensen, did in Minnesota is he ran an ad holding his newborn granddaughter. I mean, this little baby, she must have been maybe two weeks old. I don't know. You saw the video. She, yeah, Yeah. like this is a brand new baby. He's holding her. It's a 30-second ad where he says, um, abortion is a contentious issue. As the governor, I can't do anything about it, which isn't entirely true, but we'll just leave that aside and assume that it's true. Um, And instead of dealing with contentious issues like abortion, I'm going to focus my gubernatorial term on things that matter. Quote, I'm going to fight for things that matter. While he's holding his granddaughter dismissing the entire fight to protect babies like her. It just was completely tone deaf. So what we did at Students for Life is we had somebody hold a puppy and deliver the exact same script that he did, but we replaced baby or abortion with puppy killing. And um, it it doesn't resonate well with puppies. So yeah, just bad strategy. There's another guy, this isn't in our roundup, but there's another guy who's running as a GOP candidate in Colorado who thinks that reversing Roe v. Wade was too extreme. He thinks that a 15-week ban on abortion is too extreme. Um, and and this is your this is your pro-life option in Colorado. So um, I don't know exactly which babies he does want to protect or which babies Scott Jensen wants to protect, but um, these babies in these states are Presumably in danger, the so. ones that they're holding. That's it. <laughs> that baby. I I hope so, at but least. But that, that rolls into the at next least. Uh, headline, which is that Senator Graham has introduced a 15-week ban, mm-hmm. which if you first hear that, you don't know what it's talking about. You think, does that mean we're now reinstating abortion up until 15 weeks? No, it would be no. creating this standard of up up to 15 weeks across the country and no more mm-hmm. because there are certain states that have no limit on abortion. Literally. New Mexico, Colorado, uh, Maryland, New York, Illinois, Illinois Maryland, yeah. Washington. Technically, it's up until viability, but you know they they waffle on that. Uh, so you've got these states where children are being killed at 38, 39 weeks. Don't tell me Mm -hmm. it's not true because I have gone undercover into those very abortion facilities and I have heard from the abortionist that yes, absolutely, if that needs to happen, we can end 
end the pregnancy. Needs. We will terminate that yeah. for a cool $15,000. And there's a documentary. But oh, easily $15,000, $20,000. There's a documentary called After Tiller. If you don't believe the pro-life undercover stuff, like what the courageous Joanna did, um, After Tiller was made by the abortion lobby. And in it, late-term abortionists are literally on camera saying like, oh yeah, today the appointment was a 34-week or it's happening on a daily basis in this country late term. So a 15 week ban though, most of the most of the abortions in the country happen prior to 15 weeks. So they're in the first trimester. Um, at least half of them are actually with chemical abortion pills. Um, and then the other half are surgical. And so about 95% of the abortions in the country are being committed prior to 15 weeks. Now, yes, they're happening up to nine months and there's thousands of them happening up to nine months because we have about a million abortions in this country every year. But uh, in Europe, like the standard is abortion is only legal through the first trimester. So when Senator Graham introduces this idea that maybe we should cap what states can do at 15 weeks, really that's bringing us in line with like the developed world. Um, it's not anything extreme. Actually, what's extreme is that any child can be killed in abortion in the United States. For any reason. Yeah, and and the truth is, you know, we we— we don't like hearing about these late-term abortions. It, my uh, congresswoman had a uh, town hall. She's one of the brave souls that has a town hall. Never mind that my senator has yet to host, hold an in-person. But anyway, and there were some people there who opposed her and who they were yelling, partial birth abortion, late-term abortion doesn't happen in this country. It's like, yes, it does. And in fact, the House uh, voted and passed, I mean, against you know, the Republican vote, the Democrats voted and passed to try to codify Roe v. Wade through all nine months, to try to make it okay to kill the child through all nine months. And they put in there the very Lucy translation, you know, for cases of, of health and well-being of, of the mother. Well, we know that that gets abused all over the place. And so what Senator Graham's trying to do does reel it back. But do you think it poses the risk of people saying, okay, great, if we get a 15-week, then we're good. Like, that's our compromise. We don't have to try to keep fighting to abolish abortion. I think that's always been a problem for us before Roe, after Roe. Education is a huge um challenge for us. And I think that's like our main priority now that Roe is reversed and we now have the freedom to start making better protections on the state level. But we know that when we do polling and you do it in such a way where you're educating and polling at the same time. Um, so you'll say something like uh, a, a heartbeat can be detected at five weeks gestation. Do you think that abortion should be illegal after the heartbeat can be detected? You'll get a much different response than if you just say, do you think abortion should be banned at heartbeat? Because people when don't know is. like when the fetal miles, the development milestones are and things like that. So the education piece is so important because you just see time and again, no matter who's doing the polling or how they're asking the question, when people know about abortion, they reject abortion. Um, and so, yeah, I think, yeah, it's probably going to pose a problem. And 95% and of that is because the mainstream media is going to take anything that the pro-lifers do and turn it into a narrative that the sky is falling. They're not going to tell you that 95% of abortions are happening uh, prior to that cutoff. Because if people knew that, I don't think anyone would bat an eye at us coming in line with what's going on in Europe um, and banning abortion at 15 weeks. In fact, oh, the polling does support people support 
um, banning abortion at heartbeat. People support banning abortion after the first trimester much earlier than what politicians on both sides seem to be aware that the American people support. So I don't have an easy answer for that one. Just keep educating people. Share like the educational memes, have those conversations because when people know what it is, then they they really come closer to our and side. And again, asking questions can be a great way to help people think through what they actually believe. Like, okay, when do you think would be a good time in a pregnancy to legalize it? And why? Well, why that week and not this week? Why? Because the reality is, is like a child is developing, yes, from the moment it is conceived until it hits about 25 years old. Your prefrontal cortex is not fully developed <laughs> until true. you're in your mid-20s. So things like, mm-hmm. well, it's not fully developed. Well, neither is my two-year-old. Well, it can't survive yeah. on its own. Well, neither can some teenagers, right? Like there's just, yeah. these qualifiers <laughs> don't work because mm-hmm. if the value, the value is either innate in the being or it's mm-hmm. not there. And so- yeah. That's why they don't agree on any goalposts. No. They, the other side cannot come to a consensus on when abortion should or shouldn't be. The legal. irony is, if it's if, so different for if every abortion only supporter. lasted thirty-five weeks, they would think thirty-five weeks is the limit. It's just right, and mm-hmm. and even when you count the thirty-eight weeks, forty weeks, but well, we all know that that includes two weeks where you're not actually even pregnant, mm-hmm. friends. And yep. and so it's good <laughs> to also point back, like push back a little bit that the extreme position is the one that okay's killing children. The extreme Mm -hmm. position is the one that doesn't want to find a solution for all the reasons Mm -hmm. a woman might consider an abortion. That's extreme. Not us. Not us seeking to save the child and the woman. We're not extreme. And again, words matter. And so just remind them, like, tell me what extreme means (laughs) outside of ordinary, outside of the mainstream, outside of what is commonly held as a belief. Guess what? You're extreme. Mm -hmm. Last headline is this one. MSNBC host uh, Joe Scarborough, he just were like, okay. Uh, he <laughs> talks about how Jesus never spoke about abortion and therefore being pro-life <sighs> is heresy. Now, I think you and I have seen variations of this lately of like, well, Jesus didn't talk about abortion. Uh, so, or Jesus is, is pro-choice in that he's for you making a decision yourself because of free will. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Jesus is pro-abortion. I'm like, y'all missed your logic class and your theology class. Congrats. Yeah. But yeah. what Joe was saying here is he said, he throws out the card, listen, I'm a Southern Baptist who grew up reading the Bible. He does acknowledge mm-hmm. he's a backslidden Baptist, so at least he was willing to give. Apparently he forgot. <laughs> he's like, but I still know the Bible. The meantime. Jesus never once talked about abortion. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, agreed. He never once talked about abortion as Jesus in the New Testament. But... It's forgetting that Jesus, as he has said before, is part of the Godhead. So he was there in the beginning when all creation was made, which means he was there. And the when it says, you know, children are a blessing in the Old Testament, when children were, be, were to be protected, because he says it in, in John 8, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Who else talks about I am? When God is meeting with Moses, too right? I am mm-hmm. that I am. Yep. And so we know that though Jesus didn't have the red letters in the Old Testament, <laughs> the truth still <laughs> stands. And so to to say yeah. that it is heresy to be pro-life, I'm like, no, no, no. Again, it's like that the Princess Bride, you keep using that word, but I don't think you know what it means. I don't think you know mm-hmm. what it means. Mm-hmm. 
It's always funny to me. I I find this trope of Jesus never said X as like people think it's like a way to to trip you up or stump you or stop the conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I got you now. It it doesn't work. No, it does not work, friends. (laughs) Jesus never talked about student loans, and yet I'm pretty sure Joe Scarborough is all about student loan transfer. So, I mean, do we turn that logic around and just say like, well, I guess anything Jesus didn't talk about, Jesus never talked about racist highways you know, that the Department of Transportation is now dealing with. So I guess we can't deal with racist highway. Did Jesus even talk about racism? (laughs) I'm going to have to. Debatable. How I'm going to have to look, but I'm that. like, it was Paul who said there is neither slave mm-hmm. nor free, there is neither, Jew nor yep. Gentile. Scythian. Exactly. He's the one who pointed that out. I mean, he told the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I could see an argument for that being a, a commentary but Jesus on didn't racism. Say Black Lives but, Matter. Yeah. So what are we supposed to say there? Mm-mm. So yeah, I guess I guess we can't do Black Lives Matter since Jesus it's, didn't say it. It's just not it's not from where we're supposed to be arguing. No, as and Christians. it's actually such a lazy and stunted way of, of reasoning because to look at scripture, you say, like, but that doesn't even that doesn't make sense. You would say Jesus didn't say black lives matter, but we know that Jesus absolutely believes that the lives of black people matter, just as he believes that the lives of children in the womb matter. Why? Because he understands that all of those people were made in the image of God. And we know that why? Because of the whole of scripture. Like, it's just like they matter because he is the God who created, who created them. them. And 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 so it's really hard to say, but we have to care about people of different races. Yes, but not about children in the in the womb. What? Like, I'm with you yeah. at the front, and then you lost me on the second yeah. point. You lost and the reality me. is, if you don't get the abortion issue right, and there's a right, mm-hmm. it's not it's not nuanced. It's not. It's, it's nuanced not, why people get abortions. It's not it's nuanced not what abortion is and whether it is right or wrong. Yes. If you don't Amen. get that right. All of your other positions and reasoning is tainted because you haven't Mm -hmm. stood uh, in the bravest and most accurate position to then have a correct perspective for all of humanity. It's really hard to say this life Mm -hmm. mattered, this life matters, this life, but not at this certain point where every life then is therefore at risk. Because then actually the immigrant life doesn't matter. The refugee life doesn't matter. uh, The life of the minority, the disabled does not matter because mm-hmm. in the womb you're saying all bets are off and anything mm-hmm. can be done to that child. Yeah. Yeah, the God foundation that we're standing on from scripture is that every human being matters because they're made in the image of God. If you take that foundation out, you don't have anything to nope. stand on when you're making an argument about immigration, racism, poverty, hunger, social issues, none of it. You can't just selectively pick out abortion and 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 want the rest and not want abortion because they're all standing on that same foundation. So, uh good try, Joe. Better better luck next time. Um, but no, that Go didn't work out Bible, for you so well. Go back and read like, all of it. Stop talking and just read the Bible. <laughs> all right, friends. Well, that is it for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening in. And we hope that today encouraged you. We hope that today helped you uh, to be able to go into this next being a little next week, being just a little bit braver, a little bit more wild, um, but also a little bit more beautiful mm-hmm. in the way that you engage people on your faith. See you next week. 